Welcome to the She Lives Fearless podcast. This is Holly Newton, and I am your host. The mission and vision of She Lives Fearless is to encourage and equip you to pursue God fiercely and to live life fearless. You know, when we take time to rest in the Lord and to receive His promises, we can rise up in our everyday circumstances with confidence, with boldness, with courage, strength, and without fear because we know the one who we can depend on and who gives us strength. All of our conversations here on the podcast are geared to doing just that, encouraging you and equipping you in the promises and truths of God. Thank you for tuning in. Let's jump into today's episode. Today, I'm sitting with Rachel Baker. Rachel is a pastor's wife, mother of two, and speaker whose passion is to inspire those around her to become fully alive in their identity in Christ. I love that. She's the director of women's ministry at LifePoint Church in Northern Nevada. Rachel writes regular for LifeWay's Journey Magazine. She also speaks for retreats, local mops chapters, Christian business women's bureaus, and her home church. She's fueled by coffee, tacos, and copious amounts of cheese. I can tell we're going to be great friends, Rachel. (laughs) Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Holly. Yes, coffee, tacos, and copious amounts of cheese, not just cheese. So have you always loved cheese? (laughs) No, actually I haven't. When I was a little girl, I, my parents would almost have to force feed me cheese. Like even just the little thin slices of cheddar. No, I used to hate cheese. So, you know, there's hope for me with my kids who eat basically, you know, yogurt and fruit. (laughs) That's awesome. Well, being a Texan, I grew up on a lot of cheese and a lot of tacos. So anyway, I love that. Well, Rachel, you also are the author of Deconstructed. It's a Bible study guide with a hands-on user-friendly workbook. And I'm so happy to have you on the show today to talk a little bit about your book, to talk about ministry, and just really what the Lord has on your heart. So welcome, welcome. Um, Let's just dive in. Um, Why did you write the Bible study guide Deconstructed? I'm curious. Yeah, I'm sure our listeners are too. Yeah. So at the time, my husband and I were doing ministry in Salt Lake City. And um, my husband, because I I came to ministry kind of kicking and screaming. I never thought that was going to be a part of my journey in any way whatsoever. And um, as we've been married and his roles have pivoted and shifted in ministry, he's needed help and assistance. So um, I get voluntold all the time, like what I need to do. Uh, So the first time I led a small group, I I was like, I'm not qualified to lead a small group. I shouldn't be leading anybody. I barely lead myself. And he's like, no, you can do it. You're going to do it because I don't have time to do it. Uh, And so we actually, our kids ministry had a hole in their fourth and fifth grade class. And we could not seem to get teachers to cover that class for Sunday mornings. And so he's like, you just have to do it. You just have to step in. I was like, there's no, they'll eat me alive. I can't do it. Um, And so I... I wasn't fearless. I wasn't brave. I was terrified. And I stepped in and started teaching these kids just our basic curriculum. And I know leadership can be really scary to a lot of people and serving can be scary to a lot of people. But I learned that it was really facilitation and building relationships with these kids. And they just schooled me on their biblical knowledge. And so what we ended up doing, we kind of went off the reservation a little bit and started 
um, learning how to read the Bible versus we were also reading the Bible, but helping them learn where to find the books, how the Bible was broken up. Um, all of those little things that I didn't learn as a little girl. And it was so helpful to them. And then I realized, wow, this is a tool that isn't just for kids. This is a tool that is for a lot of people that don't know how to read their Bibles or aren't quite sure how to navigate their Bibles. And in our context in Salt Lake City, that was the majority of the people we were ministering to. So a friend of mine kind of cornered me and asked me to run a women's summer study. And she's like, I just want them to have these tools and know how to read the Bible without necessarily using a companion tool, not necessarily going through a Bible study, but actually picking up their physical Bibles and reading them um, with comprehension, with a high level of comprehension. And so we realized we just had to break everything down to really simple and easy to apply um, concepts. And just to help them understand, oh, what one specific book of the Bible meant or, uh, you know, how the Bible was broken up. Because a lot of people, especially if they're new to faith, you give them, they come to church on Sunday and your hospitality or your welcome team's like, oh, we're so glad to have you. And they give them a Bible. Well, that's daunting. So then what? Like, do we just open it at the very beginning? How many people have we lost in Leviticus? I'm like, I want them to fall in love with reading their Bible so that when they go and get into some of this, these grittier books, they're actually understanding cultural context and the type of literature that they're reading, and they're excited about it instead of daunted by it. Mm, I love that. Do you think that, um, well, obviously you're crowd was daunted by it. And you even talk about how it was daunting to you. So why do you think that people think studying the Bible is daunting? Gosh, I think there are a lot of different reasons. And I think it depends on how we've come to faith or what our faith background even looks like. So for me, I grew up in a pretty kind of wild, charismatic church. And um, the emphasis that I remember the most was on the Holy Spirit. And so I felt like I was really great at praying. I was really great at worshiping. I was really great at being in the Spirit. Um, but I didn't have the tools or the background to sit and read the word um, with high levels of comprehension. Like I kind of would gloss over it. So that was my background. But other people, I, you know, it if you come to the word of God with like a deep reverence, it might that in itself might be terrifying. Like, oh gosh, am I gonna, am I going to mess this up? Which I think is so funny to think about that we might feel like we're gonna mess up in reading the Bible. So I'm like, when reading the Bible, and I'm like, no, the Bible reads you, it is living and breathing. Like, open it, don't be afraid. But I think there's something that it kind of we get in our own heads about it. Where it's like, I, I don't know where to start. Um, and sometimes it's also just an excuse to not be in the word. We do that too. We psych ourselves out and then we're not in the word. Or we feel like, oh, I was glossing over. So I wasn't really truly spending time with God. And I, I think we just need to shelf all of our little barriers. And, you know, like read your Bible when you wake up in the morning. Read it right before you fall asleep in bed. Like it does not have to be this scary, daunting piece of literature. This is a living, breathing text that will speak to our hearts, even if we are doing it wrong, even if we're not reading it the way we think we should be reading it. Um, I think God will honor us just being in the word. 
Oh, I think you're so right. I mean, I love that you say it's the living, breathing word because it is. And it's God's, it's, it's part of how we know God's heart, right? And, <clears throat> you know, yeah, a lot of people are daunted by it, but we shouldn't be. Like it is God's word to us. It's how he part of how he speaks to us. And I love it. You talk about on your website on, um, <clears throat> you know, how I think commentaries were your go-to um, yeah. at some point. And, um, you know, how you want people who, you know, follow your guide to, to just know the word, to get in the word. So how did you format this guide? to help the reader go on this journey. Yeah. So because the what we did at the very beginning was we gathered um, in a friend's living room around her coffee table with plentiful uh, charcuterie boards and macaroons and dessert and copious amounts of coffee. And um, we decided because it was a summer study and we had a small window and we wanted to get through at least one whole book of the Bible. And a lot of these gals were baby, baby Christians, if even a Christian. Uh, so we decided that we would go through the book of Esther. And at the time we titled our study deconstructing Esther, because what we wanted to do was take everything in Esther and strip it apart. So look at maps, look at the cultural context, understand all of the vocabulary words that you didn't know. Um, start, you know, and we use some soul scripts like Bible, Bible highlighting and marking up our Bible. Bibles. And so we would print out the whole book and go through the passages together and be like, don't be afraid because it's printed out. So you can't mess anything up. Um, and from that, it was almost like a pilot group, but I didn't know it was a pilot group because I had no intention of writing a book out of it. Uh, taking their feedback of what they wanted more of and the places that they got stuck and the places that could be potentially confusing. Uh, just those precious women provided that feedback. And I would write notes every single week before and after the study and just, you know, okay, they want more of this. They want more of that. Okay. So I'm going to give them more of this. Oh, they want to understand if what's, you know, different types of literature. So let's do that. Okay. They need maps. I'm going to print out maps and bring maps. And we tape them all over the wall so that we could be like, see, this is a journey. And then we would draw that parallel to the gospel. I'd be like, see, so this is where Jesus did his ministry and it just brought it to life for them. And it wasn't just, it was no longer a stale, you know, book of the Bible. Oh yeah, Esther, you know, sure. No, it was alive. They, uh, they started to understand context. And by the very end of it, they, they were like, I feel like I'm a scholar. Like I know all about Esther now. It's just like, yes. And that's what I want when we pick up any book of the Bible for us to do that work and get all of the information and do, be researchers um, instead of being apathetic, being really, really engaged. Uh, and I just think that it trans it was transformative for them. And it was certainly transformative for me to be inspired and not come to the word of God thinking, oh, it's stagnant. It's not stagnant. It's inspired and incredible and really exciting. Uh, so it just changed the way I felt about reading my Bible. Uh, I love to hear that. You know, I'm listening to you and thinking about what you said at the top of the show, you know, about how there was this gap of, you know, and a need for someone to step in and, and teach fourth graders and um, how you felt unqualified. You felt 
like, oh, I can't do that. And I'm just sitting here thinking, how often does God do that in our lives where he asks us to step into something that's not on our plan, not on our radar, and that we especially don't feel equipped for, (laughs) right? (laughs) But yet, I mean, you know, to see that out of that, out of that obedience, out of that just willingness, even though you were voluntold by your husband, (laughs) as you said, you know, but your willingness to step into where there was a need. Sometimes really that's what God is just asking us to do. Um, Step into where there is a need and, and be obedient to him and just trust him. Just trust him. He is the living word. And so I love this about your journey. Um, so you and your husband are in, are in ministry. Your husband is a pastor? That yes. Leads yes. yes. He's a teaching mm-hmm. pastor, right? Yeah. He's one of our, we have a kind of different model. So we have a co-lead model. So we have, he's our primary teaching pastor. And then we have like a care and counseling pastor. Yeah. So he's, yes, he's a co-lead pastor. Yeah. So you guys have been in ministry for a little while. It'll be 13 years this summer in August is our 13 years. It's oh. crazy. 13 years. Congratulations. Mm -hmm. That's good. (laughs) Keep keep going. How have you seen, um, I'm curious about a couple of things. One, what is the Lord doing right now? But how have you seen, like, we talked a little bit before we started the recording today on how God sometimes recharts our course. Mm -hmm. Have you seen that in your life? And, And what have you seen God do? Yeah. You know, it's interesting because, um, I'm all about goal setting and she, I, I still remember going into high school. My mom sat me down and she's like, okay, we're going to do smart goals. What do you want to, what do you want to get out of your high school experience? And I was like, okay, well, by the time I'm a senior in high school, I want to be the yearbook editor. And she's like, okay, we're, that's your goal. And we're going to work backwards and we're going to make smart goals so that you can become the yearbook editor. And you're, we're going to align everything you do to that goal. And it was such a great practice in uh, casting vision. And uh, by my senior year, I was a yearbook editor and it was really fabulous. And I was like, I did this, you know, because I, I had those goals in mind. And so I, I wanted that to be kind of my life where I'm going to set a goal and anything I set, I know I can accomplish in my own flesh, right? Because that's how kind of how I work in my mind. I can do it. I can do anything I put my mind to. And um, and while I certainly do believe that God honors our tenacity and our goal setting, I have had to learn to hold my hands open just a little bit more. Um, because sometimes my goals, my plans for my own life, they're not God's plans. And it's super hard when God uh, strips you of something you thought was your identity or something that you thought was what you were supposed to do in your life. And so for me, I, I really, really struggled in my early marriage uh, because here I am. I, suddenly, my husband's called into ministry. When we met, I, had, I thought he was going to be an academic. And so I had no idea that I would ever be called into ministry in any capacity. And I just, I dragged my heels because I did not believe that I had a place. I'm like, no, I have a messy background. I'm not, um, I'm not biblically trained. I, you know, this, I don't, I don't have this background. How could I possibly offer anything of value 
And I just, I did not believe that about myself. And God took a lot, like he had to really correct my course. He had to really correct my thinking. In some ways he had to break my heart of my own goals or my own plans for myself and show me, Rachel, I'm I'm doing something so much bigger and so much better. And, and PS, the things that you love, you're going to get to do those things, but it's not in the context that you think you're going to do it. And I've seen that time and time again. So my degrees in journalism, I've been writing since I could hold a pencil. I love to write. I love stories. I love connecting with people. And I thought, I still remember going for a walk with my husband and telling him, I'm, I'm done writing. I'm not going to write anymore. It's, I can't use it to honor God. I, it's not that I like, I'm done with that. I'm just laying it all down. And my husband just started laughing. He's like, what you think he's going to give you that gifting and not let you use it. That's ridiculous. He's going to let you use it, but he's going to redeem it for his higher purposes. And so I think when we release these, you know, this tight grip that we have on our lives and let God do his work and say, okay, your will, your will. Um, these are the things I'm passionate, Lord, passionate about, Lord. These are the things that I love. And I know that I love them because you gave them to me, but show me how to use what you've given me to glorify your kingdom and make your name famous here on earth and draw others to you. And that's been a real course correction personally, but we've also seen that professionally where God has closed doors and, um, time, like when we left Salt Lake city, we were doing ministry there for three and a half years and we left heels dragged, um, as that the doors were closing and we felt them closing. My husband and I would walk around our house and say, burn the boats, burn the boats. We're not going anywhere. We're burning the boats. And, and God was like, Oh, and here's a raft. And he, you know, we, in our flesh wanted to stay because we loved the mission so much, but God had a different plan for us. And we had to cry that out and journal that out and, you know, share time and community with our close friends and trusted counselors and process all of that. And then let God steer us and navigate us to where he wanted us next. And it was hard, but it was good. Yes. Thank you for sharing that. Boy, I know some of our listeners today have have been through seasons like that. And I personally have myself. So I know, I know. And and God his his ways are higher. That is not a trite statement. That is scripture <laughs> and it's there for a reason so that we do understand he wants us to understand and know that he's sovereign. He has a plan for our lives. And you're right. Sometimes it doesn't look exactly like you thought it would be. And the people around me, everybody I know in their seasons are in seasons they don't, they never dreamed they would be in. But they're beautiful, wonderful, fruitful seasons. And so God, He does redeem and He directs, right? According to yes, where, he wants, us. <laughs> where right. he wants us. Right where he wants right. us. And look, now you're living near beautiful Lake Tahoe. So there's that. <laughs> I know. Who would have ever thought? <laughs> exactly. I love that. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for sharing that. So what would you say to someone today who is on the brink of a decision and, you know, they may be in a season where it, it just makes sense and, and, and they like it, but yet maybe the nest is prickly. And they feel like it might be coming to a close. What would you say to them about God's heart 
for their lives and for taking that next step that they know they're supposed to take? Yeah. You know, um, so many things because for me, I think a lot of times it's, Hey, it's okay to do it afraid. You know, I know that when we were making this last transition, I really thought, no, God, no, God, you know, I was fighting against him. And I was so afraid because I'd built, you know, or, or really to say he had given us, my family, a beautiful community. And that meant the loss of, you know, my community meant the loss of a home. We were in the middle of building a brand new home and it was my dream house. And I thought, surely this is like, no, God, no. And, um, and it wrecked us. Like I would come home from work and my husband and I would sit on the couch and just cry. We just cry. And so in any pivot and any change that God lays out in front of us, there is going to be grief. It doesn't mean that we go in with full like joy. Sometimes we have to grieve out uh, the dreams maybe we had for ourselves or the expectations that we had for ourselves and give those things up to God, you know? And so, and, and that can apply not just to a vocational journey or a ministry journey that can apply to parenting or child loss that it can apply to um, the loss of a home or the loss of a dream. But, you know, we have to grieve these things out and hold space and know that our God is big enough for all of that. And um, he has room in his character for our laments. I've, I'm reading through the Psalms right now and reading through Romans and I'm going, Oh gosh, there are amazing parallels here. And, and God holds our laments and our cries. And he's not mad when we do that. Um, I think it's more about our heart going, okay, you, I trust you, Lord, it hurts, but I'm going to step forward. And just saying that over and over, I trust you, Lord, it hurts. I'm going to step forward. And sometimes the healthiest thing that we have to do is stay. It's not a step forward. It's a stay and plant our feet and asking God for the discernment and the eyes to see what he's drawing us to. Hey, are you, are you calling me to plant in, even though everything in me wants to run and peace out? Or are you calling me to step forward into something else? And um, I've, I kind of feel like I'm in that season right now in my life. I'm like, okay, Lord, what next? Do you want me to dig in deeper in my specific ministry role? Um, do you want me to be doing something different. And I don't have the answers to that, but I know God is faithful and I know he is sovereign. And I know that he sees me uniquely as myself. And I can trust those pieces, even when I feel this unsettling intention. Um, and that's okay. And I think that's an okay to place to be in. It doesn't feel fun, but it's an okay place to be in for all of us who love the Lord but I think the one, like one of the biggest keys in that is to have people in your community who are trusted, who are faithful, who love the Lord. And when we're struggling or we need eyes to see, they'll point us to truth. Um, so they can hold up the mirror to our face and say, hey, this is what God says about you. And this is who I know you to be, even in our struggle and even in our grief. Mm, that's beautiful, Rachel. And you're right. Sometimes he does call us to stay whenever we want to run. <laughs> We've talked about that on a previous episode. My daughter has shared part of her story and they're in ministry as well. And they, they stayed for a season when they knew that their season was coming to a close, but they didn't know when. And um, 
the things that she learned about God's heart for her, she has shared on our podcast and on our blog. Um, And it was pivotal to be able to stay and trust the Lord's heart. So I'm glad you brought that part up because there's the sometimes you know you're going and you're not ready to go or don't want to go, but sometimes you have to stay and you really would really rather go. So trusting God's heart and being obedient to that is so key. And I love how you talk about, you know, having community around you that will speak those truths because sometimes our filter becomes, um, you know, muddy with our own personal pains or disappointments that we're working through. And we need those trusted friends who look to Jesus that can also reflect him back to us. So I love that. Right. Right. Um, So you're obviously a writer, a gifted writer. Is there a work coming up? Are you going to do another study guide or book? Yeah. So um, this year I have, um, I always kind of felt like the study guide would be a three-parter. So I started with, you know, biblical foundations, like, Hey, how to get into the word. Um, and over the last few years, I've had a deep interest in apologetics, but it, again, I, because that's not my background, I didn't go to Bible college. I don't have these, um, foundations. So I, I always feel like I'm a kindergartner starting from nothing. And, um, so I started doing some research and reading on apologetics and then downloading some podcasts and, um, picking up this book and that book and, you know, going, you know, doing a lot of research. And last year it came up in theming. We look at themes when we're planning out our women's ministry calendar of what studies and what curriculum we're going to bring that, um, apologetics and discussing our faith in meaningful ways were a topic of interest. And so I was like, oh, this is my moment. And it was so fun because I I think the conversation was actually kind of polarizing. Some of the women in my ministry just loved it. They were like, this changed my life. And other women, they were like, we hated this. Don't ever do this again. I was like, okay, noted. Um, I'm definitely doing it again, but I appreciate your feedback. Um, So I started kind of just microblogging, writing little posts on apologetics just what I was learning, because again, I was coming to it with, uh, you know, fresh eyes. I've never studied the topic before. And I think that is a unique and special place and kind of the niche that I'm in, especially with the deconstructed guide, like how do we take some big topics and um, strip them apart and deconstruct all the stuff that makes them feel really, really heady and, and become something applicable that we can use in our lives and in our ministry. So I am slowly and tenaciously finishing that. I was supposed to be done at the beginning of the month and we had some staffing changes at our church. And so I just, my timing, I'm like, okay, so it's going to be fall. Like it won't be done till fall. That's good to know. Uh, But I'm kind of in love with that topic right now and having a blast writing about it. That's really exciting. And you know what? Fall is a great season to start something new. So perfect. Sure is. (laughs) <laughs> sure is. <laughs> Perfect. Well, this has been so fun talking to you about this. Um, I love, I love that your heart is for people to get in the word of God and just to really go after it, you know, on their own. And um what better person to write how to do it than someone who feels so unqualified? <laughs> When you talk about, you know, how you feel like a kindergartner, well, you know what? The Lord is guiding you and you're writing that resource that really 
so many need. And so I applaud you for that. And thank you for sharing. Thank you for sharing about it with us. Um, Where is the best way our listeners can connect with you? And where can they order your deconstructed study guide? Yeah. So um, you can connect with me on Instagram. I hang out there a fair amount of time. Uh, So that's just hello, Rachel Baker. Uh, Or you can actually, that's one of the best places to hang out with me. Uh, You can go to my website. My URL is long and tricky. So it's rachelsheriebaker.com. But you can find it easily through my Instagram since my middle name is kind of tricky. But uh, you can find my book. I have a link on my Instagram as well for my book, or you can order it on Amazon. I, I personally don't recommend that. I recommend you order directly from me because then you get a nicer copy, but, <laughs> but I tried to make it available and accessible to anyone. So those are kind of the places that you can find me. That's great. Thank you for sharing that. And listeners, all of the links will be in the show notes as well. So you can be sure to just go to the show notes, copy and paste them if you didn't jot that down. Wonderful. Well, Rachel, thank you so much for being on the show. And I look forward to having you back. We'll talk about that next study and see what's happening, you know, in your life and ministry at that point. Um, Great. It's just been so wonderful talking to you. Thanks, Holly. I'm looking forward to it. Listeners, thank you for tuning in. Be sure to um, tune in next week as we continue our season 10 of the She Lives Fearless podcast. Be sure to go to our website, shelivesfearless.com to get the latest information on all of the events, um, our conferences coming up in 2023, as well as the podcast and our devotional blog series. Have a great week and we'll be seeing you next week. Thanks so much for listening to the show. We are here for you. You can find me super easy at Holly A. Newton on Instagram and Holly Newton Official on Facebook. I'd love to connect with you and hear how the show is encouraging you. And let's help others find the show so that they can also be encouraged in their purpose and passions. There's a couple of ways you can do that. One by subscribing and another is by rating and reviewing the show wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. And two, you can even screenshot, share in your stories, text it to your friends and family. And be sure to tag me at Holly A. Newton on the socials so we can connect.